2: Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. It is the Round Table Edition. So Mary Kay Cabot, Douglay Murray, Scott Patzko, Ellis Williams, they're all gonna join me here on the pod, and what we're doing today is ranking Brown's 10 best players. I kind of explained it off the top, so we'll get into the process there. But this is a really fun podcast, a good long listen for you to get you through your weekend. Let me tell you about Football Insider, of course, before we get to it. You go to Cleveland.com slash Browns. There's a blue banner at the top of the page to get information and get signed up. You get exclusive content and exclusive newsletter, access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns, and a chance to be part of our texting group, which they helped kind of put this poll together. We had them vote on the 10 Browns best players, and we included that in our scoring system. Again, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info and get signed up. All right, here we go. Our Friday Roundtable podcast. Way we go on our Friday roundtable in the lobby. We've got Doug Lane Maurice here, Scott Patsco, Ellis Williams, Mary Kay Cabot, and we are ranking the top 10 Browns. So let me tell you how we figured this out. We started by everybody sent me their list. I'm the only one that knows these rankings. I feel really like, I don't know. I feel powerful here all of a sudden for the first time in my life. Everybody <laughs> sent me their top 10. I did the math. I double checked the math because I didn't want to get it wrong. I even double checked all your guys' lists. And basically got 10 points for first, nine points for second, and so on down the line. The five of us did it a couple weeks ago. I asked our texters to also rank, so I included their rankings, their top 10 in our list. And so away we go. We're going to count our way starting at one. We're going to start at the top. We're not going to go backwards to forward. Number one, there's no surprise here. It's Miles Garrett. And it's not just Miles Garrett. It is unanimously Miles Garrett. All five of us had Miles Garrett number one. Our football insider text subscribers had miles Garrett. Number one, absolutely unanimous. I guess I'll just throw this out to you guys. Any surprise that that no one else got a first place vote here.
0: I'd be surprised
3: if someone had, I'd be surprised if someone had.
0: Same. I would have been surprised. I mean, that was a no brainer. Uh, I think we can all agree. uh, He challenged for NFL defensive player of the year may have gotten it. If he uh, didn't get COVID and have to miss two football games and then come back. He wasn't himself. He was off to an amazing start. He was making game-changing plays every single game. He was striking fear into quarterbacks. And uh, I just think that there was no question he was number one.
4: Yeah, the Browns only have so many people who have an opportunity to be the absolute best of their position. And he's obviously the one guy who tops the list. So it was an easy choice.
3: And I think that's an important point that Scott makes. I'm actually really curious, and I'm sure we'll get into it, how people sort of, what they valued and how they did this. But I think like, how good you, are you in the argument to be the best guy at your position? Or are you in the top five at your position or top 10 at your position? When you're comparing across positions, I think it's important in a thing like this. And I completely agree with what Scott said.
1: Yeah, I had Miles a little lower than I go went and rewatched that video of him dunking a basketball and playing hoops. And it,
4: it, I was like, oh my gosh, he should be number one. No brainer. or the
2: box jumps
4: those defenders didn't look too uh too good i don't know i mean they weren't really playing very good defense on him
1: yeah they could work on that but dan's right the box jumps miles just been killing it on social media so how can he not be number one here
2: all right scott we got a viral video here we're gonna have you step in and take a charge from miles garrett (laughs) now
4: we're talking okay okay
0: now wait a minute though there's another way to look at miles garrett box jumping and playing hoops in the offseason We should have put him down at number five, because if he keeps doing stuff like that, he's not going to make it through the 2021 season. He's going to be hurt.
1: Mary Kay, I thought the same thing, like as Andrew Barry could not have liked that video of him falling right on his backside, 63 inches up in the air. I I get that he's chasing something, but oh, there's no way that helps Andrew Barry sleep at night.
0: I had my hand up to uh, ask Andrew Barry that very question yesterday uh, in the press conference, a zoom conference, but I, they never got around to me for that one.
2: Let's move on to number two then, because this is where it gets interesting. Not, be, not just because of who is here, but because this is where we get into the variance. And one of the things I noticed as I put this together is a lot of these guys, there are kind of bigger ranges on where they landed. And cause we only have six people sending in ballots. There can be a lot of range. So a guy could be, like seventh on somebody's ballot and still end up pretty high in the rankings depending on where it goes so number two and i'll admit there was a tie here and i invoked the tiebreaker this guy got more second place votes than the player the player he was tied with this is where baker mayfield landed
3: oh that's number wrong two. he was second oh. on two. He was- if, if we're doing this exercise the way i thought we were doing this exercise i don't think that's defense defensible
2: well, let me tell you, he was second on two ballots. His lowest placing was sixth.
4: Hey, someone's mm-hmm. going to have to state their case here for two.
2: If we're going by, yeah. like, how good you are at your
3: position, I-, I mean, actually, the point that Scott made that Miles Garrett might be the only guy on this team who's in the argument to be the best at his position, I actually think that actually is not quite true. There are other guys on this team who are in the conversation to be um the best guy in the league at what they do. I, I think there's at least... Three, maybe four other players on this team that are in that conversation among the top five at their position. Baker Mayfield is not in that conversation, the quarterback. And if that's how we're doing this, like there's no, this doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Mary Kate, it was you and okay. I that had him second, so you go first.
0: I was just going to say. I was going to say, is that how we're doing this? We did not once again, and we never do. We don't put parameters on uh, how we are ranking these guys. And what our lists are. I think the only thing that we said is how we think they project and how we think they're going to do in 2021. So I'll tell you what my thinking was here. First of all, I have to tell you, quarterback trumps almost every other position for so many other things in so many ways, in so many categories and for so many reasons. If you don't have the quarterback, you're not getting there. And a major reason, a major reason why they made the playoffs this year is because Baker Mayfield cut those interceptions down from 21 all the way down to eight. Doug's shaking his head right now for those people. This is a podcast. It's not even, that's not it. No, this, this is it. This is it. Baker Mayfield is an absolutely enormous reason why they made the playoffs. He got his act together and he elevated the play of everybody around him. And if you just look at that, Uh, ratio of 20 touchdowns to two interceptions that gets you there. And that is valuable. And it is also the reason why when you're drafting that you bump up those quarterbacks higher than most other positions and you throw out a lot of things that you might need, because if you don't have that quarterback, you're not going anywhere. So in terms of just important position of importance miles is the the guy on defense baker mayfield is the guy on offense
3: it's not important it's not valuable that's not what the list is it's best he's not the second best football player on this team and if we're only gonna every time we rank stuff it's the thing is like well quarterback matters the most it's like why do we even have the discussion of course quarterback matters the most he's not the second best football player on the browns Uh, that is not like if we're if we had we maybe maybe we should have defined it i like i don't even think that kind of discussion is that interesting of course, quarterback, of course, it's the most important. I mean, let's go to the Jersey, right? I mean, yes, this is the best player on the Browns. I mean, if we're going like Mary Kay and Dan, do you think he's the second best football
2: player on the Cleveland Browns? I think if he plays like he did from the Jacksonville game on, and even if we want to go all the way back to week seven on, when he was the third highest graded quarterback by PFF, I think if he plays like that next year, and that, that's part of what the, what I'm doing here is I'm projecting. Are we going to get that Baker Mayfield or are we going to get the Baker Mayfield that was in the first half of the season? If he plays like that next year, now we're talking about a guy who within the league is not just top half of the league, not just top 10. We're talking a guy who's got a chance to establish himself among the best in the league. And that to me makes him second.
1: All right, can I talk for a second? Nope. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Ellis, first of all, let's see, you had him... Ellis, you had him down at fifth.
1: I did. For the people who aren't watching, because this is a podcast, I just had to get up and crack a window, because this is going to get really fun. And I'm so glad that, unlike the, the other times we've done this draft, the, the guy centered around Bark Week, the guy we're kind of trying to have a conversation about, comes up really early. And I see both sides of this. I, I, I truly do. I, I, in our text thread, we talked about how this had a NFL Top 100 feel to it. So when you combine that with what Mary Kay and Dan are saying, I think there's, there's a lot of, of proof there. Like, for example, Justin Jefferson, if you look at PFF's top 100 grade, which is essentially a, a knock or a ripoff of what NFL top 100 does, he was 16th. You know, no one it, it, here thinks Justin Jefferson in, in a fantasy draft is going to be the 16th player taken in the NFL, but based on what they did in 2020 and projecting them into 2021, I, I completely see this and I don't know why you couldn't make the case that Baker Mayfield is quote unquote, the second best football player on this team. Now, clearly my listing doesn't agree. And before I pass this off, I'm sure Scott has something to say, and I know Doug's got something to say the, the, the data proves, and just the, the, the sourcing of data proves this exact argument and why I, I bet we could spend 30 minutes on this, uh, Baker Mayfield Uh, on this team, according to PFF, the the third best offensive grade, putting Miles in probably puts him at fourth, Uh, but again, third best offensive grade on a team with a lot of offensive players PFF loves. QBR had the 10th best QBR in football, and everyone's talked about and written about uh, Baker's QBR over those last seven or eight games, whatever it was, only, you know, Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers had better numbers, so on and so forth. And then you get to DVOA and DVOA puts him at 17th. And that's really what we're talking about here with Baker Mayfield. It's it's polarizing despite the year that he had. And I understand like, oh, what were the parameters of this conversation? I'm not sure that's all that important because the what we're really talking about here is both the polarization, quite frankly, of Baker Mayfield trying to project him forward, which is clearly extremely difficult and why Andrew Barry is earning every penny of his three, four, $5 million a year contract, whatever he's making and why we're going to probably be hung up on, on this topic for, for the rest of the pod. I think it's fascinating. And I don't think there's a wrong answer right now. Who Ellis at the end. I think everybody's right. Everybody can view it.
3: However they think there's no wrong answer. Typical young guy trying to make everybody happy.
1: I backed it up. up, I backed it up. I backed up. We just don't have enough data. And I, for the parameters of this conversation, the loose, as loose as they are, I I don't, I I see how you people fall on on both sides of this. I mean, you couldn't sit here right now and say Baker Mayfield isn't the second best quarterback in football or on this second best football player on this team. If he comes out next year and throws 40 touchdowns and eight interceptions, I mean, we just don't have enough data. So I think Baker Mayfield is the, the one player where it's like, you can see both sides of this. I think that's the most
4: accurate way to put this, but, but go ahead, pick a side.
3: No, I'll let Scott talk. I talked enough at the
4: beginning.
2: <laughs> Scott, you had him. You had him fourth.
4: I had him fourth. Um, I mean, look—you could tell a bunch of people to rank the top ten Browns players, and every this is the problem with rankings—is everybody's going to have a different idea what that means. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with voting for the Hall of Fame or picking your all-conference football team. Doesn't matter. It's this is this is the nature of what we're doing. So, I had him fourth. It just seemed like a right spot to put him. I have a few guys ahead of him who I think have been better longer and who are closer to the top of their position group. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a bunch of people who play different positions. Joel Petonio and Nick Chubb, who's the better football player? They might as well be playing different sports.
3: I don't know who's better between Petonio and Chubb. I I just know they're both better than Baker Mayfield.
0: Oh, come on. So once again, 20, remember what I said, 20 touchdowns to two interceptions, in the final 12 games of the season, including playoffs. They're not getting there without that. That is the reason why they got there. That elevated the play of everybody around him. I don't even think that there's an argument here.
3: Now, but Let everybody else elevated Baker. Like the idea of like Baker elevated Joel Batonio and Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills and JC Tredder and Wyatt Teller elevated Baker. Nick Chubb elevated Baker. The idea that like Baker Mayfield lifted up a bunch of schmoes. He had great talent around him. I'm, and I'm not, listen, like it comes off as like, I'm a Baker hater. Mm-hmm. Item sixth. I think there are, th- I think there are four guys. I-, I think you could make an argument that Wyatt Teller and Joel Patonio are in the conversation among the best guards. In football, I think you can make a Jack Conklin is in the conversation among the best right tackles in football, and Nick Chubb is in the conversation among the best running backs in football. Baker Mayfield is not in the conversation among the best quarterbacks in football. So, like, if you're, I, I'm, you have to remove the quarterback because there's no like wins above replacement in the NFL. I don't think maybe that's an analytics thing I'm not aware of yet. But if you did put like moderately competent quarterback with this offensive line, this running game, this play calling, I'm not saying they would have, you know, had a lead on the Chiefs or whatever, but like they would have been a moderately competent football team. I don't think we can act like Baker Mayfield, like dragged this team somewhere because for the first half of this season, this team was dragging Baker Mayfield. And also, I put like how long you've been good. Joel Petonio has been doing what he's doing forever. Baker Mayfield, people on this podcast thought was going to get benched in the middle of this last year. So, like, like, length of being good. I know who Joel Petonio is, and I know he's who he's going to be in 2021. I think Baker Mayfield's going to be good in 2021, too. But the idea of putting Baker Mayfield ahead of Joel Petonio on a list
1: of best football players on the Browns, like, I just, I am not there at all. I, I don't like that we're ignoring positional value. Guards and running backs are important to this team. They're just not all that important league-wide. And I think a good way to try to find a conclusion to this conversation, though we're not, Uh, where did we all rake him in our quarterback draft? Because Doug, I know you say he's not an our has a chance or isn't one of the best at his position. But if I remember right, y'all had him in the top 10 top eight, some of us. So it's like for the, that's a heightened point of how important the quarterback is. And because there's only a handful of quarterbacks that we think can win you that Super Bowl. if you're saying he's top 10 in the league at quarterback, then I don't see why you can't make the case that he's, the second best football player on this team when including positional value and just the, the replaceability of guards and running backs.
0: And, and you know what, and this is going to open up a can of worms, Doug. You're going to hate Uh this, but that's okay. That's what, that's what this is about. You know what, let me see some of these offensive linemen against the chase youngs and against the Nick Bosa's and against the Joey Bosa's and against the Chandler Jones and against the JJ Watts, who was neutralized in that game, you know, When we see those guys against some really, really good, really good linemen that are going to kick their butts or try to kick their butts, we'll have a better evaluation of how they're going to hold up. But, you know, the truth of the matter is they didn't exactly play the world beaters most of this year.
3: Jack Conklin's an all-pro.
0: Dead silence.
3: Uh, uh, Dead silence. (laughs) I I could fill up an hour about how if all we're going to do If every time we have a discussion about football, we say quarterback's the most important position, it's the most boring conversation in the world to me. Of course it is. Of course it is. So then why, let's take Baker Mayfield out because you can't fairly evaluate anything. He's the quarterback. He's the most important. I get it. I didn't think that's what this was. Maybe we should have put parameters or maybe everybody else was comfortable with it. The idea It's so much more important. I get it. I get it. Everybody realizes it. Let's talk about who does their job best. Who's the best football player? and everything they're supposed to do. Because guess, guess what? This team has a lot of good football players. And they have guys with longer track records of success at what they do than Baker Mayfield has. And I'm not doubting Baker Mayfield. I'm just telling you, man. I mean, show me in his career where Joel Batonio had a stretch where he didn't look like a good player. And I'll show you the stretch where Baker Mayfield looked like he wasn't that good. Show me where it looked like Nick Chubb wasn't a good player. I can show you where Baker Mayfield didn't look that good. Right. I mean, that's like, that's what I'm talking about here. Jack Conklin's done his job every day since he got in the league and has done it. Well, Baker hasn't always done it well. And I have to factor that in. Well, I, I if, don't know. You
0: know if Jack Conklin and I'm and I'm, Jack Conklin is a great player and he's going to be a great player on this football team for a long time. But if he was that great, I really doubt they would have let him go. I really doubt they could have parted with him. Those are really important positions right tackle and left tackle. You don't let those guys walk out the door. If they are the best at their position in the NFL, you usually just don't do that.
1: Yeah. And I'm not sure how much the Titans missed. him. like, I, I, it's one of those things where both sides benefited, uh, but, but Mary Kay makes a fair point. He's all pro. um, I it's actually funny where I have Conklin on this list. So I I do, I probably disagree slightly, but Mary Kay does bring up a good point. The Titans didn't, didn't miss a beat without him.
2: Well, I, I mean, I'll say this, this is the best offensive line in football. I mean, I don't think there's an argument there. I don't think it matters what we saw, who we saw them go again. I think this is the best offensive line in football. I think you've got guys who are really good. I just still, to me, and I'm projecting a little bit. I think Baker Mayfield showed us that he's ready to kind of take that step. And and listen, I was the one who in those post game shows, right? We were driving those extension talks and those post-game shows for about the first seven or eight weeks. And Ellis, you and I were sitting in that press box in Cincinnati, wondering if Case Keenum was going to be the guy that, that they'd have to turn to for a little while, but then something, exactly. something, but then something clicked. And I don't think I'm curious kind of how all of you approach this because Doug, obviously you put a lot of weight in what players have done in the past. For some of this, I looked at not only that, I look at what I think a player will be moving forward, not for the next 10 years, but I think going into 2021. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to be a little bit ahead on this. I think this time next year, we might legitimately be talking about Baker Mayfield in the number one or number two spot based on what we saw from week seven on.
0: And best can also mean the contribution that they make to to victory and achievement and winning and getting to the playoffs. It's it depends on your definition of best top and best. There are nuances. These are, you know, it just depends on how you look at that. And I didn't really have uh, too much of a a struggle at all. Putting Baker number two.
2: Let me ask you guys this because I'm really genuinely curious and I'm always fascinated how these little moments can drive big picture discussions. If Baker Mayfield leads the Browns on that game-winning drive in Kansas City, does this feel as crazy to put him here? Like, Doug, you're the one that had him lowest, and you're the one that's pushed back the hardest. If he leads that game-winning drive against Kansas City, does that change your mind, or is that just... It's the whole framing of the question is wrong.
3: When you're doing something like this, to me, all we do is talk about quarterbacks on this podcast in the whole league. It's all we do. It's great. It's what people want to hear. Because you know what would have happened if they would have gone down the field and scored the go-ahead touchdown against the Chiefs? He would have gotten great blocking from his offensive line. Jarvis Landry would have made a big play. They would have handed the ball to Nick Chubb, and he would have been great. If Baker Mayfield by himself? No. If Baker Mayfield, as part of a really talented offense, had gone down the field. So, like, that framing to me is the problem That's why you and Mary Kay have him second, because that's how you're thinking about it. If Baker Mayfield had led them down the field, I'm thinking about an overall good football team. And you know what's awesome about this conversation and why I'm getting so fired up? Because they have a lot of good players. And we talk about Baker Mayfield ad nauseum, as we should. I'm never going to dispute that. It's what people want to hear, and it is the most important position. But we in Cleveland have PTSD from the lack of quarterback for the last 20 years. And as a result, I think we can overlook all the other good players on this team and Dan, but Dan, you just said it. They had the best offensive line in football. What if the best offensive line in football had led them down the field to take the lead against the chiefs? How about that framing? And then we can argue whether Joel Batonio is the second best player on this team. Now I get it. Quarterbacks quarterback. I get it. But that's, that's not how I did this list.
2: I'll, I'll tell you this though. I've seen, one of the best offensive lines in football in a Browns uniform. And I haven't seen them make the playoffs or win a playoff game. But that, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen Joe Thomas, Alex Mack, Mitchell Schwartz, John Greco, Joel Batonio, that team topped out at seven wins. Cause the quarterback was absolutely because incompetent, the stunk. but not even average.
3: You didn't even have an average quarterback then. A few they had Brian Hoyer and they were seven and two, right. Or whatever, what were they? Average Uh, six and three and then seven and four. Okay. He's nothing. And they were that because they had some other good stuff going on. I mean, like again, but what am I going to argue? Quarterback's not important. I'm not arguing that the quarterback's not important. I'm arguing that that's not the framing that I think is the most interesting way to talk about the best football players on a team. Because if you just go by that too much, then I mean, there's no argument. Of course I get it, but I think it's because of what happened to Cleveland.
2: I'm curious to hear from Ellison Scott real quick, because that that question I asked about the Chiefs isn't why I put Baker second, but I'm just always curious how you know something like that can impact the way we look at a player. Would that have changed your where you would have put Baker on this list? That hypothetical?
4: It, it wouldn't for me because I mean, I put more stock in the regular season and what he did over the course of the sixteen games. You know, i I thought that he kind of solidified himself in his position without reaching the playoffs. And we talked about that leading up to it. Like had he done enough to to be the guy. And I thought he did, even before he Pittsburgh, even before the Chiefs game. So that wouldn't have changed my mind. And I totally agree with with Doug about the fact that the whole team marches down the field. And I know, you know, unless he's out there calling all the balls on every play and scrambling around and 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 doing Patrick Mahomes type stuff to keep plays alive, then you gotta consider all the work the other guys are doing. And that's one of the reasons why I only hit him fourth.
1: Yeah, I, it wouldn't have changed anything for me because I don't think it was Baker Mayfield's fault they didn't march down the field, which says a lot about both where I have him ranked and his ceiling of 2020. Uh, before we put any parameters on this list, even though it sounds like to the listeners we didn't have any, I promise you there was a small conversation. Very, very
2: up there. loose, very loose parameters.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Before that text went out, I made a, a, a scratch list and I'll just, I'll just show you guys And for the listeners, it says five OL and then Baker's two. I was going to prove a point and send Dan my top 10 and have the five offensive linemen. I have ranked one to five. I wasn't going to have that order, but you can tell by my list, I really did rank them. And then I was going to have Baker Mayfield sixth, Just to prove a point that... when you have the best offensive line in football, and I don't think we talked about it enough when PFF sent out that little tweet on January 13th, that the Browns had the number one rated passing offensive line and rushing offensive line in PFF history, which was the first time that ever happened in their recorded history. Like that's ridiculous. That that really says everything about why this team was successful this year without going into a Kevin Savancy conversation. So the importance of that unit really was the the center of this team, which is why Baker going down the field would not have made a difference. And when, why you take away pieces of this offensive line, I, I think of the jets game and pieces like that, you see Baker not solve those problems in 2020. I'm not saying he can't, but when he had the collection of parts, we have to credit him for driving the ship to the point where it ended. And I get, we, we talk about, okay, he, he could have been, I thought he should have been benched. After the first quarter of that Bengals game, it was like a hockey goalie thing. I didn't say start case game the rest of the year. It was like, this guy's got the yips and this does not look right. Then everything changed and he became a high functioning quarterback. And because of that, you put him essentially right in the middle of this list. And that's why he's at five for me.
0: If you're looking at best in terms of contribution to the success of the football team, I just think a strong, strong case can be made that he should be here. And I, I think in some cases, you guys are overrating the offensive line a little bit. It's a pretty, it's a damn good offensive line. And it's probably going to be a damn good offensive line uh, for many years to come. They invested a lot of, of money in it. And it, there's a bunch of really good players on this offensive line. But I think you also have to look at it in the context of some of the competition they face this year.
2: Are we good with Baker? or at least the conversation about Baker. I have
3: 20 more minutes of shouting in me, but I'm going to hold it to myself and just shout at the walls when we're done. I don't think anybody else wants to hear it.
2: That'll be a bonus pod behind the
0: (laughs) Cutting room floor.
2: (laughs) So here's where Mayfield was on everyone's list. Mary Kay and I had him second. Doug, you had him sixth. LSU had him fifth, Scott, you had him fourth, and our texters had him third. Number three on our list, and he actually tied with Baker Mayfield for, the, for points, but did not get as many second-place votes, Nick Chubb. He was helped most by our texters, who had him second. He was fourth on three other ballots, third on one, and fifth on another. Let's see here. Who had him the highest? It looks like our texters had him the highest, highest Scott. You had him third.
4: I did. So I'm happy with this pick. (laughs) I mean, he's another guy who I think is at the top of or near the top of the list uh, in his position. I mean, again, we can make arguments about Chubb versus Baker. I had Baker at fourth, like we said, uh, but I think he and Petonia, who I had second, by the way, I think are are higher on the list at their position than Baker but not so high as Garrett. Chubb's awesome. We just did a whole gotta watch the tape episode uh, about how great he is and all the cool things he does, break and tackles, yards after contact, explosive runs. While I stopped short of saying he's special in, in regards to him deserving a market setting contract, his situation is quite special here in that he has a coach who understands how to use him and keep him fresh and possibly extend his career. So for all those reasons, he's he's number three.
2: Mary Kay, Mary. you had him fifth.
0: I, I use like I used some, I guess, different criteria for what I considered to be a best, the best. And I just I looked at at Chubb as somebody who's amazing. And things were different when he's not on the field, obviously. But just in terms of running back, number five is about where uh, where I where I think that belongs. I, you know, I think that not that you could easily replace him, but Running back is a a position where if you have a really, really good offensive line, I think there's a lot of guys. I mean, Raheem Mostert showed that in San Francisco. He played here in Cleveland, and he was a nothing. And then you put him into uh, the San Francisco offense, and lo and behold, he's an amazing rusher. So uh, I I think Chubb is a phenomenal runner, maybe just in terms of just sheer running ability, pure running ability, one of the best, one of the top two or three at his position, but I I think five is is about where I felt comfortable with him.
2: Doug Ellis and I all had him fourth. Yeah, part of the
3: thing we did just do, I encourage everybody to listen, heard it on the got to watch the tape we just did. But one of the things we did about how great Nick Chubb is, he, we also agreed like he's not a good short yardage back, which we've talked about that you don't even might not even have on, on the field, like on third and one. So I couldn't go any higher than fourth because of that. But he's elite. And in, 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 in what he does best, he's elite. And so I think he absolutely – we all have him in the top five, and I think that's indisputable. So I think we're splitting hairs a little bit between sort of like third and fourth or fifth. But, again, to me, like in a Baker comparison, you know, he's he's in the top group of running backs, I think. You know, maybe you think Derrick Henry's better or whatever, is it, but Dalvin Cook, but he's there. So I, I thought four is good for me.
2: And, and to me what separates Chubb, I think, is that – when he gets into that second level, we see him, you know, if there's a safety one-on-one with him, that safety is going to miss. He's not going to tackle him. And so it's that big play home run hitting ability that Chubb has that, you know, so I, I certainly, it's a no brainer to have him here in the top five of the list. Uh, It's interesting kind of how the three of us put the players we put in front of him, which we'll get to, I don't know. I don't know how much more discussion there is to have on this. Ellis, why did you have him fourth?
1: Yeah, the, the guy to watch the tape helped. Watching that run just reminded me, honestly, of just how special he is. It, just a little insight into how I, I did end up framing this list. It really was like three evenly uh, weighted criteria, 2020 performance, projecting that into 2021, what I think that can mean. And then just who you are athletically. Are you gifted? Are you different? Uh, you get listeners probably are growing aware that I'm quite attracted to that. I think there's only four different athletes on this team four guys that you just look at them like ah, yeah there's not many of you in this league miles garrett nick chubb is one of them and two haven't been named yet and we we'll, we'll get there but he's on this list to me of guys that are just different types of athletes and that's always in in my criteria gonna gonna bump you up a little bit which is why i have him at fourth that's interesting
3: i almost like i was thinking about my criteria i was almost like thinking of like blank percent this blank percent that whatever but i would definitely had a category of like track record like length of how you've done it and so that was that's going to lead me to some different people than Alice is talking about right because but not that i'm looking backwards it's like that well as i project you to 2021 i have zero doubt of what you're going to be i know who you are and that is a consistently very good football player over a number of years and they have some younger guys on this team who haven't had the chance to do it but i have some older guys ahead of Nick Chubb but I understand what you're talking about Alice with your sort of difference maker as individually who you are
2: okay let's move on our number four here this is where it gets interesting just because I think of some of the variants and we're going to throw out some names that I'm really curious as to how you guys ranked them so let's just start here with number four it is someone we've already discussed it's Jack Conklin coming in at number four overall he was second on two ballots Uh, Doug and Ellis had him second and the lowest he went the lowest went with six. The guy that did not drop very far. Uh, Mary Kay, you had him sixth. Doug and Ellis had him second. I had him third. Scott, you had him fifth. So Doug and Ellis, each of you can take your turn here and make the case for Jack Conklin as the second best player on the Browns.
3: So I'll be real quick. I try to be consistent as we go through this. I said he's like the MVP. So like I can't put him below. I can't put him any lower. So like if I'm going to be consistent about what I think he is and then I'm, I'm here for this if he's an all pro and there are two all pros this year, Miles Garrett and Jack Conklin, like I'm going to take that into account. Now, if you want to tell me, I'm here for someone to tell me all pro voting is stupid. Don't use that as a thing.
1: I'm here for it, but it mattered to me. So I had him second. I think Pro Bowl voting stupid. I, I think All Pro voting is legit and a good way to track the history of this league. Um, for me, I already made my point about how I just think the the collection of this offensive line is the MVP, is the number one asset to this unit. The reason the Browns were the Browns this year, or the way they became this version of the Browns. So for me, it's it's Conklin just being the the best member of that group. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is this offensive line, you know, the sum is probably better than the collections of parts or greater than the collection of parts which goes to Bill Callahan goes to scheme concept but like Doug to be consistent you, you got to give it to Conklin all pro has had a great seasons through and through aside from well, probably one or two years in Tennessee when injuries were an issue and this offensive line is anchored on that right side running right whether it's power or, or wide zone Conklin and then the right card, of course, why Teller had a large reason to do with that, but they, they put a lot more responsibility on, on Jack Conklin this year because of having a rookie at left tackle. And he, aside from getting injured when he was on the field, he really didn't disappoint.
2: Uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't have much to add. I had him at third, so I, I don't really have much to add to them. Scott, you had him at fifth. Mary Kay, you had him at sixth.
0: Yeah, you know what? I, I put him, I went low with the offensive lineman. I just, I went, like I said, Baker. And skill players first. And I went a little bit lower on some of the offensive linemen, which I know is not popular on this pod right now. But, um, you know, that's just in terms of how I feel about players and their contribution to winning and what they do and just their individual ability and talent. I am probably more biased towards uh, those skill types of players.
4: I mean, after watching the mess. Uh, on the offensive line the Browns had in 2018 2019 I had a lot of linemen on my top 10 I I, would, I actually thought about what Ellis thought about about stacking linemen on here and like putting Miles Garrett somewhere in there with him. but I mean Conklin at five he's the second lineman on my list he had he had his best blocking season of his career pretty much here so this is a great fit for him and I think he he deserves to be in the top five for sure.
3: And I don't want to, I'm going to dispute a PFF grade later. So I don't want to lean into it too much, but overall for these guys, Chubb was the third highest PFF grade on this team. Conklin's the fifth highest PFF grade on this team and miles Garrett second.
2: Okay. So let's move on here because number five, I think kind of continues this discussion and that's Joel Betonio. He came in at number five and let's see, he was third. Doug, you had him third Scott. You had him second. So you had him ahead of, Conklin and you had him second while Doug and Ellis had Conklin second. So what was your thinking behind putting Joel Betonio second on your list?
4: He is the best. He is the best lineman on this line. And I felt that there needed to be a lineman in that second spot behind Garrett. And I felt Batonio was that guy. He's been the most consistent. I think only two other guards pulled more than him this year. So even when they were running away from his side of the field, they were running behind Joel Batonio. So, um, you know, as good as they were running right behind Wyatt Teller and Conklin, Batonio was over there a lot too. So I, I gave him the credit for that.
2: I, I was just going to say, I wish you guys could watch this because Ellis's reaction is hilarious. Go ahead.
1: Oh, well, I was just going to say, Scott, you got to warn us when you're going to kill us with stats like that. Holy smokes. I was not ready for that. I don't, I, I've, I have Batonio way too low. That's an incredible metric.
3: I had I had Conklin second, Petonio third. So, I mean, I thought I wanted to reward the line. I had no doubt when I did them. Garrett's clear number one. I thought these guys were clearly two and three. And again, I Conklin's an all pro, so I put him second. But I'll, I think Petonio on the top three is. And again, depth and length of how good you are for how long you've been this good. I mean, nobody listening to this, nobody on this pod has any doubt about what Joel Petonio is going to do this year or next in 2021. He's going to go out and be one of the best guards in football and a hugely important part of this team. And that matters to me.
2: Ellis, I want to ask you this because you actually had Wyatt Teller ahead of Betonio. I think you might've been the only one that had Teller ahead of Betonio. Although it sounds like based on what you just said, you might have some regrets on that, but what was your thinking there?
1: The only thing I would change after Scott's kill shot of a stat about polling, Petonio must have had so much fun playing football this year, I cannot imagine. <laughs> um, the, the only thing I would have changed was siding him up one to fifth, which would have brought Baker Mayfield down. So I can defend the Wyatt Teller thing, and really I did it with my parameters when I when I set this. Petonio's consistency, his reliability, I understand all that, and I'm probably taking it slightly for granted. I don't want to go into a, a huge Wyatt Teller conversation unless that's where you guys want to head with this, but I'll just say this. Teller is the number three guy of that list of four in no particular order of guys that I just think are different. you look at him. He's different. He pulls save it,
3: save it, save it, save it, save it. There's a Wyatt Teller conversation coming.
1: Okay. Here's what here's what I got Wyatt Teller stuff for you. Yep. I just think he's different and that's the reason I, I would I, for the discrepancy, the separation.
2: Mary Kay, I'm going to put one on a T for you. Are Uh-oh. you ready? No, but go ahead. This one's, this one's going on a T for you. Uh huh. So we've got Jack Conklin and Joel Batonio fourth and fifth. Uh-huh. The Browns beat Cincinnati without Jack Conklin and beat Pittsburgh for most of the game without Jack Conklin, and did not have Joel Batonio. I don't even remember who started at left guard against Pittsburgh. There you go. I just put it on a T for you. I'm not throwing my opinion out there about it. I'm going to put it on a T for you to make your point because you are the one who had the offensive lineman
0: ranked a little lower. Yeah, I did. Like I said, I'm just more biased towards skill players. And I think that when you put these guys together collectively, uh, they make an amazing group. And some of them, of course, individually, as you mentioned, are all pros and things like that. But I I want to see it consistently. I want to see it a little bit more. And, I, and I'm sure we'll see it. I'm sure we will see it. But I mean, I, I am putting some weight on the fact that I mean, there were times and in a couple of those games, like the first game against Pittsburgh and the first game against the Ravens where, uh, and there were a couple other games where the offensive line struggled a little bit against some better competition. And that is why I probably have these guys a little bit lower. I did not see some of the most fearsome, fearsome defenders and the best defenses, you know, I mean, Kansas city's defense. That was a good defense when they, when they played them, you know, in the playoff game. And I don't know that that's just why I have, have these guys lower on the line.
2: Doug, should I bring the T over to you now and, and put the ball on it? What's the question? Uh, I, I mean,
3: they're the best yeah, offensive here, me, line in football. Me, Is there, I mean, like, what are we talking about? They're the best, like they're the best offensive line in football. Yeah. Like are they better than this? Some of the, I mean, like, they have like five great individual linemen who together make the best offensive line in football. Like I, we're not, nobody, nobody's disputing that. Right. I mean, nobody's disputing that. So, I mean, I'm just going to say the same thing I kept saying, but you can team me up
2: if you want. I'm, I, I just think the question is, and I think you just answered it is how we look at it collectively versus the individual. I'll tell you what now and th- th- I'm not trying to take anything away
3: from Joel Batonio. Joel Batonio has been here while they sucked. Because the other guys on the line weren't as good. Joel Batonio was Joel Batonio and their tackles were awful in 2019 and the offense was on fire. And then their tackles got better in 2020 and everything looked better. So like, yes, the collective matters. But I think if you have three good linemen and two horrible linemen, I think your offensive line can be a mess. And Joel Batonio can't block three guys. But I don't want to take away from the individual talent and performance of individual linemen because they're part of a collective group either, right? So, but I do think like in Conklin's case, I mean, I thought, yes, you can say, okay, they pulled him out for one game and Chris Hubbard filled in and they were fine. Okay. But when Chris Hubbard was the starter the year before, right tackle was a mess. So that's why they went out and got the highest paid right tackle because they wanted to fix it. And guess what? Jack Conklin fixed it but they haven't had to fix left guard because Joel Petonio has been awesome there forever. And Joe Thomas was a hall of famer and never made the playoffs because everybody else around him sucked. So like, if we're going to pretend that like we're going to downgrade offensive linemen because they by themselves can't carry a football team. I mean, of course they can't, but I don't want to take away from their individual skill, especially because you can spin it either way. Ah, they're not that good individually because they're all good as a group or ah, they're not that good individually because the line as a whole is not that good. So like, which is it? They have good individual offensive linemen on this team.
2: That's why I, that's, I mean that's why I like doing this every week because we do all come from it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And Mary Kay, it yeah. seems like it seems like you are kind of dinging these offensive linemen because they have to do it as a group.
0: Well, not not just because they have to do it as a group. Like I said before, I think it's in part just because I probably have position bias, okay. I put a pass rusher, uh, ahead of a linebacker. So, you know, just in terms of grading uh, when I'm thinking of best players, I, I just, I, I have positions sort of ranked in terms of premier positions. And that also influences my thinking right or wrong. That's just how I feel about it.
2: Okay. Let's move on. This next guy is incredibly interesting. I'm, <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. Maybe. Jarvis Landry, number six. Ellis, oh, that face that Ellis just made. So Jarvis Landry ranged from as high as fourth to as low as ninth. And not just as low as ninth, he's actually the highest ranked player to not appear on every ballot. So we have reached the first player on our list who did not appear on a ballot.
3: So then they just got a zero. So... So that just factored that they didn't get a point when you did the point total so that they just got a zero from that ballot. So he was as
2: high as fourth and he did not make a ballot. Let's see. I'm I'm
3: going to make a preemptive point. I don't know who left them off the ballot, but I want to make that person feel bad preemptively. (laughs) So we're talking about,
2: I was going to go to that person first, but you go ahead. So let me shame them preemptively.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, this list again, however we want to define it, is best football players, right? It's the 10 best football players. And there's some part of this, right, where upside talent, are you special? What's your I I understand all those things. Nobody disputes that, that what Jarvis Landry is, is a football player. So, like that is a intangible thing. Listen, and I thought, and I'd like to have this discussion at the end. I there's about twelve guys. I thought I think there's are there are at least twelve excellent football players on this team, and a couple more guys on the come up. I do not understand how you can't have Jarvis Landry in your top ten. If you have him ninth or eighth, or, I, I get it. He is the epitome of a football player, and I don't think you have to rank a guy because he gave a speech on hard knocks. But he's a football player, man, and he produces. And I just I'm whoever it is. Go ahead.
0: Doug, why don't you guess?
3: Who's just going to say that?
0: <laughs> Doug, guess who it is?
3: Well, I'll tell you this Jarvis Landry has the sixth highest PFF grade on this team. So I'm going to guess that it's not Scott Patsco. I think Scott Patsco does have him in the top 10. Mary Kay, I feel like I'm playing Clue. <laughs> Mary Kay values skill position players. So I think Mary Kay does have him in the top 10. I think it's Ellis Williams in the study with the candlestick. Because he's not an elite athlete in the same way that some other people are. So if you're talking about some other guys, and I know who we're going to get to, that if you're looking for that top side, rare athleticism, maybe he's not that. And so Ellis
4: had him 11th.
2: Well, Scott Patsco, tell Doug why he is out of the game, why he's lost.
4: Are are we going to do this? Like, what's my line? Where we all (laughs) start talking? Yeah, it was me. I I am flabbergasted.
2: (laughs) Sixth highest PFF grade and you leave him off?
4: I left him off. You know, you're arguing about how he's a football player. Is he more of a football player than, like, how is he more of a football player than, like, Jack Conklin or Joe Petonio or or even Kareem Hunt? Like, I made this list, like, three times, and I kept leaving him off. I only have one receiver on my list, and it's not Jarvis Landry. And that was a little bit of projection maybe, but – Like I said, I had a lot of linemen on my team or on my my top 10 here. And I got to the bottom and I'm like, I do not have Landry on here, but there's nobody I want to take off and put him on. I
3: think so. There's some other guys. He does it every down, right? I mean, he's like an integral part of this team. And there's a guy then that I think you have on who doesn't do it every down. And I think that matters.
4: Before Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt, Odell led pretty much every receiving category on this team. If he didn't lead it, he was second. And I don't think anybody looked at him as the best receiver on this team over those first eight games, even though the stats said so. So I'm thinking, what if we have Odell for a full season last season? Are we come, are we ending the season thinking about him differently than we do Jarvis Landry? And, I, and to me, it, the answer was yes. So that's why I, I didn't have Landry. Plus, I, I didn't put as much value in receivers in this group uh, overall. So that's why I only got one on
3: and the PFF grade didn't do anything for
4: you. No, I mean I considered that. Yeah, he has got good PFF grades. He does a lot of things really well. But then you know, does sort of Odell,
2: Ellis, you are Doug. You are close. Ellis had him ninth, so you're you're closer to Scott than anyone else. So go ahead.
1: It's it's a fascinating conversation because a lot of what Scott's saying is like the hypothetical is fun. What if Jarvis Landry got hurt? Versus the Bengals and miss the rest of the year instead of Odell this year. This conversation uh, is different just by availability. But the second point Scott's making is that Jarvis's skill set is the most replaceable, probably on this receiving core group. Like, like okay, I'm, we're not talking about him and Cordell Hodge. I'm just saying when you look at the like where Jarvis is ranked in PFF and DOA and all these things there's a group of receivers there that really the NFL draft is flushing into the league, like 10 of them a year, probably. So it's an upside play and you don't need to convince me at all about the upside of Odell Beckham jr. And what that means to this team. You guys all know where I stand on that. But to me, I put just more stock in the way, you know, the NFL top 100 would do this in just your availability and what you did in 2020, like simply put Odell wasn't on the field. So he didn't have an opportunity to make my list. Had he been available for 16, there's no doubt he's on this list. And then again, Jarvis just deserves credit for all those things. He does well, why PFF has him where he does and his ability to, you know, come up big in, in important moments that that Steelers touchdown is probably was like a game stealer, despite it happening, I think in the first quarter. He he showed up when it mattered, and that's because, to Doug's point, he is that quote-unquote football player. And I'm not trying to straddle both sides, but I truly just do see Scott's point of like upside. What are you going to do for me in 2021? And is your skill set replaceable? And I, I that's where all those questions with Jarvis are legitimate.
2: Okay, so Doug, Mary, can I all had him in the same range? Um, I had him. Uh, where's my list here? Actually, I'm sorry, I had him eighth. So I, I had him kind of low too. Doug, you had him fifth. And Mary Kay, you had him, you had him fourth. Mm-hmm. I want to say this though about the replaceability. I, I think if if you have that role carved out for Jarvis, I think he does those things at a high a higher level than you're gonna get out of Richard Higgins, or you're gonna get out of Kadero Hodge, or you're going to get out of Donovan Peoples Jones isn't the same type of receiver. I don't think you're that's apples and oranges there. I value Jarvis Landry a lot. I value his off the field contributions a lot and kind of what he's represented to this football team. Again, and I think that's part of this discussion too, Doug, you said, you, you know, you can't rank him just on a hard knock speech. And I agree, but I also think that we're all going to have biases in this, right. And we're all going to have this idea of if if we feel like a guy is important off the field, that's at least going to be in the back of our minds a little bit. Look, I had him eighth, Most of us had him and this is a discussion. We're going to save this discussion. Most of us had him behind Odell Beckham. You know, I I just think I couldn't leave Landry off my top 10. I just couldn't do it.
0: All right. Well, let let me, let me explain here. So yes, I had him number four. And as we know, we see a theme, a common theme for me here. I value skill players more in this discussion and in their ability to do special things and like really cool things to get you where you need to go to win games and, and to get to playoffs and things like that. The reason why I have uh, Jarvis Landry at number four is he's a five-time pro bowler. Okay. This is a really damn good football player that we're looking at. All right. Are we starting to take it for granted? This guy makes catches like some receivers I've never seen before. He has amazing hands. I maintain that he has uh, elite hands and almost a Pro Bowl skill set, okay? Now, a lot of his numbers might not necessarily lead to that or add to that, but that's that's what he looks like to me. Uh, he looks like one of the best receivers uh, that I've ever seen that has ever played for the Cleveland Browns. And he has some pretty damn good numbers too in terms of what he's been able to accomplish Uh, in terms of reaching milestones very quickly. When I look to next season, I still see him being an incredibly valuable part of this football team. He's got great chemistry with Baker Mayfield, and I think he will be a large part of their success in 2021, which is another way that I made my list.
3: So I'll call myself out on this. I had Odell higher in the receiver draft. I have Jarvis higher on this list because I do think they're kind of different things. And, Odell Beckham has missed 25 games in the last four years. Maybe it's not his fault. The knee injury is not his fault. Jarvis Landry, the only game he's missed in his career is because of a COVID thing. Availability matters. And I also, this this to me is a life question because now I'm all of a sudden feeling nervous about myself. Just because you are eminently replaceable, does it mean you are not good at what you do? I'll tell you what, you could... You could walk out your door right now and find somebody to do what I do. I am eminently replaceable, but does it mean that I'm not, I'm not kind of good, you know, like, right. Just because you could draft the Jarvis Landry in the third round, does that mean he's not a good football player? And by the way, go ahead and draft Jarvis Landry's replacement in the third round. And then. Cross your fingers and hold your breath that you're a hundred percent sure he's just as good as Jarvis Landry. So he's out there all the time, all the other stuff, very good football player. I had him fifth ahead of Odell. For football player and this, that that upside for me, for best football player and this kind of thing, upside matters less than what you actually do. Cause a lot of the Wherever people explaining why they have Jarvis lower, there's a lot of ifs. Well, if you this or or if you did this instead, it's like an imaginary thing because you can imagine a, a, a just as good or better replacement. But there's not a lot of argument against like the this. He's good. So
1: item fifth. Just real quick. I, I I'm realizing I, I may have put words in Scott's mouth. Scott, can you just. Unpack the uh, replacement level thing Like, do you, did I read that accurately? Like, do you kind of land there or are you kind of side more with Doug where it looks like he's not as replaceable as I may think?
4: It really came down to the fact that I wasn't going to have a lot of receivers on this top 10. Okay. And uh, when I got down to uh, where I did put a receiver, uh, I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to have Landry in that spot. So I just valued Beckham more than I do Landry. Doug, there is a wins above replacement type stat and it is dvoa basically and that's where you know higgins is third best in the league and landry is not (laughs) amazing so there you go
3: who put higgins
2: in the top 10 anybody put higgins in their top 10 i'll I'll spoil it and say no one did okay (laughs) Hey, it's Dan. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about Football Insider, where you can subscribe to get exclusive access to stories on cleveland.com Browns. You also get a newsletter every single day with exclusive content that's written by Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, or me. It goes right to your inbox. That stuff doesn't show up any place else on the site. You get that every single day, including on the weekends in your inbox. That's just for our football insider subscribers. And then there's our texting where Mary Kay, Scott Ellis, and I will text you throughout the day with news and analysis. We do Q and a's. We answer questions. We have opportunities to come on the podcast and make picks. We do round tables, all sorts of fun things with our texters. And we're going to start putting together some stuff for you to enjoy here in the off season. So all you need to do is go to cleveland.com Browns. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. Click on that banner, get all the information you need get yourself signed up and get yourself access to all of that exclusive content that we have available only for our football insider subscribers. Okay. Let's, let's move on to number seven. And this is really interesting because there are so many names we haven't said. And yet here we are saying this name, number seven, Wyatt Teller.
3: Let's go. Let's go. Let's have this. Let's do this. I can't believe Scott didn't have him second.
2: Scott did not have him the highest of anyone. Here we go. Here's my notes on television. When as high as third on one ballot and did not appear on another ballot. The person who had him third was not Scott Patsko. He was a guard, a, an offensive guard trader. And what with the other side of the line? And put Joel Bitonio up there. Ellis, you had him third. So why?
1: To me, it is... I'm weighing heavily here. Really, I think it's the it's the complete trifecta, right? A stellar 2020 season, a projection into 2021 where uh, he'll be the best guard on the team, and then third, the fact I just think he's different. Put on the tape, watch him pull. He looks like a, a battering ram out there. The only comp I've seen on tape is Quentin Nelson of the the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts, and we know. The type of clout he's gained throughout this league in just three short years. There's men his size should not move the way he moves. It's with force, it's with power, it's with speed, it's, it's decisive. I'm in, impressed every time I put on his tape. I know, and I'm extremely disappointed with the sacks he gave up this year. They came at critical times, they were ugly, they forced turnovers. And I know that's where this is headed. But for, for, I can overlook that due to the athlete I know he is because the tape shows it and all the right he did in between that. If he doesn't clean up his pass pro, then I'm wrong. This list isn't accurate and we'll reconvene next offseason. But between the jump he made in 2019 to 2020 and then the coaching of Bill Callahan, I think it's safe to assume he'll clean up the pass pro.
2: Big butts. That's a big,
1: big butt, brother. Really? I,
3: he's, I, and I don't understand this, PFF people. He's the highest graded guard in the PFF rankings. He's number one in pass blocking in PFF among guards. He's, run, run sorry, he's number one in run blocking. He's 111th in pass blocking. He is half a football player. And if we're talking about why they didn't march down the field and score the go-ahead touchdown against yeah. the Chiefs, the number one culprit is Wyatt Teller who got smoked in a lot of sack or a lot of pressure that killed the drive. He's half a football player. And the idea of like, I get it. He's a dump truck. When he pulls, he's bad at the other half of the game. Like it's not even, he's not even average at it. He's bad at it. So it's like, okay, well, if he cleans up half of his job that he's bad at, then we'll reevaluate. He is, you go through the list of the guards in the league by PFF grade. There are not a lot of guys like this who are so. And the thing, Scott, that I don't understand is how can he be first in run blocking grade and 111th in pass blocking grade? And that equals number one overall grade on PFF. That's that I don't know. Like Mary Kay said the last podcast a week ago, I'm out on analytics. Tell me, PFF. I don't know what's going on because, but I have eyeballs. I have my silly little eyeballs. I watched his, he did not do his job when it mattered most. And he is the number one culprit for why they didn't go march down the field on that drive. I had him in my top 10, but Ellis, I think by the end of this conversation, Ellis, and I want to let his agent talk here in a moment. <laughs> Ellis, I'm not trying to be a jerk. Well, no, I am. Of course, you are. <laughs> third is wrong. I mean, third is wrong, like, because there are a lot of other good players on this team who do not have a glaring deficiency in doing their job the way Wyatt Teller does.
2: Scott before you before you go Mary
0: Kay you were you didn't have him on your list I didn't. And Doug just made my argument for me so beautifully that I barely even have to say anything here. And it is one of these rare times when Doug and I actually agree on something. So I think everybody should really capture this moment. I, I agree with with Doug on this completely. Pass pro is so vitally important to me uh, when I'm dealing with an offensive lineman. I also think that he's in as, as uh Phil Savage used to say about some quarterback that he's in a really nice cockpit there. He's right next to Jack Conklin and he's right next to, to, to JC Treder. And, and he's, he's got a good gig going in there. Uh, I think pass pro is really vitally important. He, in three straight games, he gave up a sack. Doug mentioned what, what happened there uh, in the chiefs game. How can you be 111 in, in pass pro and end up as the top? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. That does not make sense any sense whatsoever. Ask the quarterbacks how they feel about pass pro. I don't think they would have a player uh, that's 111 in pass pro ranked number one overall amongst guards in the NFL. Uh, I think I also had a a, a teller bias. I think it was just like I was over tellerized uh, this season. I think I think I just was teller weary. I, I really had teller fatigue I'm just so sorry I just got rebellious and when I had to put somebody at number 10 it was going to be between Jed Wills and it was going to be between Wyatt Teller and I picked the first round pick and I put him there so I'm I'm giving a sneak preview but that's what happened with me there can
1: can I phone a friend I need to tag Scott Pascoe in here
4: (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll give you my best uh explanation for the the PFF thing and again I don't work for them I don't have inside knowledge on their grading, but I would point out, yes, he did grade 64.7 in pass blocking, uh, which is by the way, is why I had him seventh on my list. But if you look at the pressures, you only give up 14, you only give up three sacks. If you scroll down, if you if you're looking at PFF, look at some of the other guys who had lower pass blocking grades and look at the amount of pressures they gave up. They're gonna be a lot more than Wyatt Teller. So that factors into it a little bit. I'm not here to. To say why i tell the third best football player on this team I, I had him seventh and it was mostly because yeah he he was great at run blocking but he's got work to do in pass blocking uh by the way here's another poll stat for you he pulled the least out of all five linemen they were running his way a lot more than uh than having him <laughs> move around and you know run behind him but he's definitely in my top 10 but he's 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 not my top lineman
2: i'm kind of tired of talking about offensive linemen mary Kay's like see see i told you i'm not gonna lie so we're gonna move on to and this i'm really excited to hear this discussion really excited because number eight on our list we're gonna talk positional importance here denzel ward denzel ward did not rank higher than fifth on any ballot and he did not appear on one ballot this is your number one corner you would hope your number one corner is among your top 10 players on your team. Is Denzel too low here? I, I'm trying to figure it out because I, I mean, if, if you want to move him up, you got to take somebody off this list. So, I mean, who's it going to be? Are you going to drop Batonio? are you going to drop Conklin? Maybe you drop Landry. I don't know. Uh, let me see who we've got here. I had him fifth. Doug, you had him eighth. So you had, you, you nailed it right here on this one. Uh, Scott, you had him eighth. So you nailed it too. Mary Kay, you had him eighth. You nailed it. Our texters had him sixth. I guess I'm, I had him highest on this list. So I guess I should maybe make
3: that. Defend game. yourself, Dan Lobby. Uh,
2: <laughs> I think he's really good. I, I just, I think he's really good at a really important position. And so I, I reflected it in my rankings. You know, I had, so ahead of him, I had Garrett, Mayfield, Conklin, and Chubb. So I guess I had to ask myself, am I, am I going to put a guard ahead of him? No, I don't think so. I could have put Odell Beckham, who I had sixth. I could have put him ahead of Denzel Ward. And and I really can't wait to have this Odell Beckham discussion after this. I know you can dig into some of the PFF grades and things like that, and maybe make the case that he's not as good as we all think he is. I think he's really good. And so I think your number one corner, if he's really good, needs to be high up on your list. So that's why I had him at fifth. You guys didn't.
3: I I think I agree with most of what you said. I'm not sure he's really good. I think he's good. And I think he can be really good. So if you're projecting and you think there's more there, I think he can be great. I don't know that he's been really good. I think he's been good. I think he's been worth it. I think he's been helpful, but I think he can be better. So like, so three of us had him eight. He wound up eighth. Like, I think that's exactly right. And I just think, again, like if we're going to have a conversation, you have him ahead of Joel Batonio, Dan, on your list. Again, the, sort of the way you even said it, it sounds like, well, it's positional value. I get it corner, but like, you know, track record and just like doing your job. I don't know that anybody could say that Denzel Ward has done his job better than Joel Batonio has done his job. So I think eight is really right about, I mean, we're all there. I think eight's right, except for Ellis, who didn't have him in the top 10 at all.
1: Yeah, no, I did not have him on the, in the top 10. I think there's a clear theme in my list. If I wanted to put the offensive line in the top five for the reason why this team succeeded, I can't put Denzel Ward inside my top 10 for why this team fell short in an AFC divisional game and made it that far. I have him 11th to be fair. If I can say that I have nine players inside my nine offensive players inside my top 10 with miles Garrett being number one, this team had the 25th best DBOA in football to me that you can't credit the individual talent when the unit just is not producing and they produced in moments with guys like PJ Stewart or BJ Goodson or Ronnie Harrison having interceptions fall into their lap. You know, miles Garrett was really the only real difference maker on that team. I was this, and this is going to be so unfair to Denzel, but I'm going to say it. I was this close to putting Denzel at 10 instead of the player I do have at 10. And then I flopped when I remembered him getting fried by Deontay Johnson on an out and up in Pittsburgh, which aside from the Baker pick six really felt like when the end of the game and then getting chopped and screwed by Travis Kelsey in Kansas city. If you're, you know, even at a very good corner, you just can't be put on a high light reel like that. It's like a great shot blocker, just getting yammed on like over and over again, like once is okay, but you're press man or have respons- outside responsibility. You, you can't, get dice like that I think Doug's exactly right he was good in 2020 I think he has a chance to be very good in 2021 and as the Browns defense gets better as Denzel gets better simultaneously he'll creep into that top 10 because the talent is there
0: first of all I I kind of agree that that Denzel has another level that I think he needs to get to uh and I think he should get there that's what you want when you have a number four overall pick I mean my god he was a number four pick you would expect you expect perennial pro bowls and to be one of the greatest uh, cornerbacks that you've seen. Uh, so I do think he needs to take it to another level. It doesn't help matters that he misses four games every year. So he's got to keep trying uh, to, to figure out ways to stay on the field. And if he can give you that 16 games, the other thing is, I think that he uh, needs to add some interceptions to his repertoire and he does get thrown to, thrown at. So it's not like, they're throwing away from him all the time. I think that he could add that to his game to make a few more of those game-changing plays. This year in his defense, a little bit, uh, he was not surrounded by the group that he was really supposed to be surrounded with. And I wonder when he has a, a better supporting cast around him, if he won't play better. Maybe if you have Grant Delpit out there, uh, you know. maybe if, if Greedy comes back strong, and, you know, and then they've got Ronnie and Grant and Denzel and Greedy next year. Then maybe that elevates Denzel and he gets the help he needs on some of those, uh, you know, longer deep balls and things like that. So uh, I do think he's got another level. I think eight, eight's probably about right for him. I mean, I, I thought he did a really, really nice job with pass with breaking up passes this year and kind of shutting down for the most part uh, his man, but. I would like to see him take it up a notch.
4: Yeah, I think that the 10 pass breakups is kind of a, an indicator of, of, of how other defenses view him right now. He's not the guy that I think is the game changer. He's still trying to get back to that rookie level he was at. If you look at other guys who had that many pass breakups, they weren't grading as well as Denzel Ward. So it's, it, it seems, you know, it, he's clearly the best cornerback on this team and he's clearly uh, a good player. But he's not a person I think that is like changing the way offenses attack the passing game yet. You no. Know, and getting more picks like Mary Kay said will obviously help with that, but he's just he's not there yet.
2: Number nine, Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs>
4: Three in a row.
2: So yeah, Scott, you had him uh, you had him at ninth. Okay, so let's have this discussion. Two of you had Jarvis. Doug, you you kind of made your case. You can you can add to it if you want. Two of you had Jarvis ahead of Odell. Ellis, you were the other one. Our texters did not have him either. Ellis, what was your thinking putting Jarvis ahead of Odell?
1: Yeah, if this team was last year's version of the Browns or I guess any version of the Browns other than the one we got this year, uh, you could make a pretty easy case for why Odell should be in the top 10. There, there wasn't a lot to rave about, right? To me, there just were too many talented and productive players and emphasis on the production part on this team this year to reward Odell with a top 10 spot perhaps I'm going against my list or my own criteria slightly when I you know mention different and in, in 2021 projection because Odell checks both those boxes but just basically the goose egg that you get in 2020 much like the NFL top 100 does due to injury or for whatever reason if you're not available, you're not really in consideration for the list. So I think for me, it was really that simple that there just was nothing there compared to the the incredible seasons that at at least 12 guys in front of them had to me.
2: Mary Kay, you had him third.
0: Yep. And you know what, once again, it it is all about just evaluating the talent and the ability of the football player. That's kind of how I looked at a lot of this. And when I look at Odell Beckham jr., I see uh, really a Hall of Fame caliber talent, a three-time pro bowler, and, uh, and somebody that can do things that most others cannot. Superstar ability, superstar talent. And I think he was kind of poised uh, to really make a lot of noise this season. I think you could see that he was really committed to doing that, and he didn't get the chance to finish out his season. Uh, but I, I think he would have made a lot of noise in that in that second half once Baker got everything squared away. And I think that bodes well for the future. And once again, I'm just going with pure, raw talent here.
2: Let's see who else. Scott, you said you had him. Yeah, you had him at ninth. So you had him right here. So, again, right on the money. what, what was your thinking behind putting Beckham there?
4: Here, here's what he led or was second in the team. in by the time he was injured, targets, catches, receiving yards, their yards, which means deep targets, uh, were getting to him. Receiving touchdowns, first downs, yards per reception, passer rating when targeted, and his catch rate is what pulled him down. And I think that's what a lot of people think about when they think about Beckham is all the passes that don't get into his hands that, that go to him. But everything else, he was at the top of the list. So I, I just felt like I had to put him over Landry.
3: I had him. I I had him seventh. The six guys I who were ahead of him, I thought were like definitively really good football players who were out there all the time. No doubt about it. I do think it factors in, and I understand what Mary Kay is saying. It's like they were really good without him, and so like I, 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 this is not the conversation. Are they better without him? I don't think that. But they, they made the playoffs, and they, they made you know they won a playoff game without him, and. I know we're talking about, I mean, you know, Dan, you're putting people on the spot. Well, Hey, the Browns were okay <laughs> when Jack Conklin missed one game or when Joel Patonio missed one game. And it's like, well, they were okay when Odell Beckham missed nine games. So the six guys ahead of him and then, but I had him ahead of like Denzel Ward because like Odell at his best has been at a peak as a player that I don't think Denzel Ward has ever been at. So I sort of drew a line there. I had Baker. I, you were talking about a lot uh, a Landry Beckham comparison. I did have Baker ahead of Odell, so I think we all had Baker ahead of Odell, right? We might have had Baker in different spots because I had Baker lower than anybody, and I still had Baker ahead of Odell. So I guess that's obvious—the quarterback who's out there every snap. But I I, I do think three is a little high, just because he wasn't out there. But you know, raw talent. But I think football player, the way I thought of it, is more than just raw talent. And again. He's missed 25 games in the last four years. And that fits in somewhere to me.
2: Where's Odell if we're ranked, if we are ranking the 10 most talented Browns. Two. We do that raw talent discussion.
3: It's miles and Odell. I mean, is there any, I mean, is there any dispute there? I mean, maybe LS- if someone wants to make a case for Odell one, but they're the top two, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Not seeing any arguments from anybody. He's right up there as far as raw talent is concerned. All right. So here we go. Number 10 and... Then I want to get into some of the folks that you guys left off. I thought this was really interesting. This guy ended up at number 10. Kareem Hunt. He appeared on five of the six ballots and was as high as number eight. Is anyone surprised that Kareem Hunt made this list? Yes, I am because he's not a starter.
1: Uh, I can go quick. I don't think he's replaceable. He was what? third on the team in touchdown receptions per perhaps second uh just the goal of football is to score a touchdown to get the ball into the end zone and he did it in every way shape and form on this team perhaps this is a, a baked in Kevin Safansky plug but this whole conversation really is we're evaluating the 2020 Browns the way they used him was genius it was brilliant I mean split them out wide and throw a hitch versus a, a, a awkward linebacker that has no chance of tackling him. do it twice it just gets to fall into the end zone from 11 yards out it's just stuff that teams have not used running backs like him before there's not a whole lot of running backs with that run as fierce as him Uh, you I think there's an argument to be made with replacement level with guys like Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt on this offense but for on-field 2020 production he struck in every opportune moment we did a whole got to watch the tape on why his pairing with Chubb is vital. And I don't see that production dipping at all in 2021. And he checks enough athletic boxes where it's like, all right, yeah, that guy just runs nasty. I don't see a lot of that. So I, he belongs in this top 10 and that's exactly where I had him was at 10.
2: So I, I want to piggyback off that just real quick. Cause you kind of made a point I, I was going to make Ellis. We've talked about this on other pods, how in this offense, sometimes it's, it's like in basketball when they hunt players and pick and rolls, A lot of times Stefanski will send out those, those big personnel units and hunt linebackers. So he'll, he'll spread out 13 personnel and hunt a linebacker by putting Jarvis or Odell on the inside. And he did that a lot with Kareem hunt. And I, I just think about that Monday night Baltimore game where he just spun linebackers around and you go back and watch and you can just see Baker pre snap light up when they hunt that linebacker matchup and they find it. And you, you can tell, Oh, he's throwing the ball to Odell here, or he's throwing the ball to Kareem hunt. There's no doubt. And that's what happens. And I think, So this is maybe a discussion of how Hunt fits in the offense too, as well as the type of player Hunt is. But I think, you know, that's why I put him on my list. I think what they try and do in this offense, he's really important to it. So I put him in my top 10.
4: I had him right at 10. It was came down to Landry or Hunt, and I did it for all the reasons Ellis mentioned, and also the value that he adds to Chubb, Uh, the fact that he makes another player better by his presence and the fact that he can be out there for an entire drive and they're really not losing much. I think it's really important. Perfect spot. I nailed the bottom of this. This. Season, by the, way. <laughs> it's the Scott Patzko list.
0: Yeah, I had him at nine uh, just because I think he's incredibly invaluable. I think he can just obviously do so many things for you. He's incredibly talented. I think he, uh, you know, he had to kind of wait his turn in some ways behind Nick Chubb. You know, he, he can be a starting running back in his own right. Uh, and he can just do so many things for you. He's a pro bowler. Uh, led the NFL and could probably do it again in, in rushing. Uh, I, I just, I absolutely 100% think that he is in the top 10 of best players on this football team.
1: Uh, can I clarify some stats real quick? Kareem Hunt led the team in receiving touchdowns with five, which I, I think that's just interesting how low a number um, the receiving totals were this year for scores. Um, and then second in total scores, because he added six rushing touchdowns. So 11 total. Nick Chubb led the team with 12. It, the point of the game is to cross the end zone, right? And he, he's the second best, if not the best player on this team at scoring.
2: Highest rated running back when targeted in the NFL this year 124.1. That's with 20% of 106 targets. So that's that, taking out some non qualifiers. Highest rated
1: running back. Yeah, that's so impressive. And
0: he, he had, he rushed for 841 yards and six touchdowns and he only started five games. So I don't think we should ding him for not being a starter because Nick Chubb is there. He almost rushed. He could have rushed for a thousand yards while only starting five games. And that's pretty important. All
2: right, Doug, tell us why we're wrong.
3: So let's not have him 11th. So it's like, I almost had him 10th. He did start when Nick Chubb was out. And he averaged 16 carries and 64 yards a game.
4: Wyatt Four yards also out.
3: Listen, okay. we're not talking about Wyatt Teller <laughs> right now. We're talking He's about saying. Kareem Hunt. Listen, they put him in, in positions to succeed. So we're talking about all these things. He doesn't have a burden the same way the other guys do. We're talking about Wyatt Teller's half a player. Wyatt Teller has to. It's like if they put Wyatt Teller in only on running plays. And they're like, listen, man, you don't have to pass protect. You're not that good at it. So we're going to put you in when we run and you can just smush a dude. Kareem Hunt is put in positions to succeed. I'm not saying he's not valuable. I'm not saying he's not good at what he does. I think it. he has a better chance. He's a, I mean, he's, he's like a sixth man, kind of, right? So, I mean, like, I know what you're saying. Well, he doesn't start, but he doesn't start. <laughs> so, I, like, when I was down to, you know, cutting, all right, it's it's tight. He has done it before. I know why teller was out. Actually, I forgot that why teller was out. But... <laughs> I don't know, like he, he is given every opportunity to succeed. It's a great relationship between what the Browns ask him to do and what he does for them. But there are some other guys who I just, I just put ahead. There's one guy I put ahead of him who just kind of has to do it every snap. And that mattered to me.
2: All right. You guys want to do others receiving votes here?
1: Well, Make who case. Can, can we all go? So yeah. Who, who has people left that weren't in the actual top 10? Uh, I'll go quick. Um, both. And it's not gonna be a surprise. Both my guys are offensive linemen. I had J.C. Treader seventh. To me, that's probably just an appreciation for the center position. Uh, I've got college friends that were centers in school. Uh, There's uh, some deep dives on centers that just how uh, intelligent and heavy their workload is, the the plate that they have. And I don't think it's any coincidence that one of the first things Kevin Svansky did when he got here was draft a backup center that he trusted. He did the same thing in Minnesota. Uh, drafting a young guy it's a position of importance both in the front office there with Kevin Stefanski and with myself so with that baked in importance and just the stellar job that Tretter did this season and how I'm inf- really inflating the offensive line in my rankings I have Tretter and right under him I have Jedrick Wills at eighth for a lot of the same reasons except for the fact that if there's one guy who's going to enter that he's different a list of the Browns to push that list from four to five I think it could be Jedrick Wills, not because he's built entirely differently. Like he does look like an offensive lineman up top. I think his feet are special. He fires. He's quick. He he's basketball like the way he can slide and shuffle and, and move those feet like feet like pistons. PFF only a sixty two point six grade. I, I think he's one of the going to be one of the better tack, left tackles going forward in football. So again, inflation of the offensive line. But I had Treader seven and Jedrick Wills at eight.
2: Scott, you had Treader sixth.
4: I did. Uh, again, he's. he's... He's arguably the best pass blocking center in the league. He's top 10 run blocking. Here's, here's my final poll stat for you. He pulled more than any center in the league last year. So they, they like to get him out moving and, and run behind him as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, Wills is the only lineman I didn't have in my top 10. And I had Trader, I had a Wyatt Teller too.
2: And Mary Kay, you are the other person who had Wills. You had him at 10th.
0: Yeah, once again, uh, this was a decision between, as I mentioned before, Wyatt Teller and Wills. I had position bias, which that is important to me. Uh, I think left tackle is a vitally important position, obviously. Uh, So I I put a premium on that. Uh, Then also I had, like I said before, that I had a little bit of Teller fatigue and I just thought that Jed being able to come in and do what he did as a rookie with no off season and you know, being able to not get Baker killed. And how, how often were we talking about Jed Wills? We were never talking about Jed Wills. We would have been talking about Jed Wills every game if he wasn't doing his job. So he did his job, and I think he's going to going to do his job considerably better next year uh, with, a, with a season under his belt. So I put him ahead of Wyatt there.
2: Okay, so that leaves us, Doug, you are the only one who had a guy on the list that was not repeated on any other ballots.
3: It might be wrong but I thought this guy played well, like down the stretch when they needed him. Sheldon Richardson. I I had in the end, I had cream hunt, JC Treader and Sheldon Richardson for the last spot. I didn't have wills in that conversation just because he's a rookie. His grade wasn't great. He played really well for a rookie. And if you're projecting ahead more, you know, I just, I leaned more on older guys. I just thought Sheldon Richardson for a defense that needed help, especially once Olivier Vernon went out, like he showed up when they needed him. And again, this is a little, he's a football player. Like, I know that sounds stupid. I don't want to sound like, I don't know, John Madden or something, but it's like, I just thought he played really good football in the playoff push at the end of the year. And I think we all would agree. He's a good football player. Now, PFF grade now ceiling. Now is he getting toward the back end? Maybe, but I i, I thought he deserved it with how, and they needed him when they needed him. I thought he was there. So I had him 10th, but Treder and hunt were right there for me.
2: Yeah, Tretter was a tough one. You know, I think with the offensive line, kind of what we ran into with a lot of us was how many offensive linemen were we going to put on there? Sort of like what you were talking about, Ellis. You had all five. Uh, Scott had four, and then the rest of us had three offensive linemen on our list. And I think as, as you're putting together this top 10, there's, again, something in the back of your head that's thinking, come on, can I really make this half <laughs> offensive lineman? Some of us could, some of us couldn't. So that that probably hurt J.C. Treder in the long run. And I feel like he was such... As prominent as he was in this whole NFL season happening, it really did feel like he was the forgotten man at times along that line because we talked so much about Wills and Betonio and Teller and and all of that. So he kind of became a forgotten man. Two other things I want to throw at you here. The first is that was our list with our texters. And I just want to throw at you how the list looked on just our votes. So Miles Garrett was still number one. Jack Conklin actually moved up from fourth to number two on our list. When you take out the the tech subscribers, Baker Mayfield dropped to third because there was no tie for second. Nick Chubb dropped to fourth from second. Joel Batonio, no change at fifth. Wyatt Teller replaces Jarvis Landry. He moves up from seventh. He's sixth. Odell Beckham moves up two spots. Jarvis Landry dropped two spots. Denzel Ward dropped a spot and Kareem Hunt still makes it no change Okay, last question here. Any regrets? Ellis
3: is going to change his thing about who you, who you had uh, Teller <laughs> third. You're changing that, right?
1: I'm gonna. Be, I'll keep it real. I'm not ready to change it right now. I'm. A, I have a heightened awareness for how Teller performs as a pass blocker and pass pro. You know, when we get to the first four games of the season next year, I I, I overlooked how much he has to prove. I can admit that. I stand behind him being different and you guys know how I, how I value that. Teller. So I'm, I'm cool with Teller. I would say this. I probably put OBJ somewhere on here. He, he honestly didn't even come to mind just because of the year that wasn't in 2020. I, I, he should have been somewhere in my top 10.
2: I think I would have liked to maybe put Beckham a little higher. I probably would have put him at a ward ward at least.
3: So I don't, I just want to make this point before we get out of here. So I think the the, there were like 12 guys that really were in the discussion Well, 12 veterans that were in discussion for the top spot and then Jedrick Wills. So he's like the 13th guy. And then like, I didn't know if anybody would do this, but if you're really projecting, it's like Grant Delpit, right? Like if every, Mm -hmm. we talk so, it's like, could he be that? Mm -hmm. And then nobody had, we didn't have a Ronnie Harrison discussion, but we talk about Ronnie Harrison a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I think those 15 players, right. That it's the 13 veterans plus Wills and Delpit. Those are 15 good football players. And we just did a list of the 10 best football players on the Browns. And the issue was not we don't have enough guys for the top 10. It's that we have too many guys for the top 10. A reminder of that's where this team is. I think they have 15 football players going into the season who are going to be on the team who are very, very, very good at what they do. And they're going to fill in some stuff around it you know, Austin Hooper's not in there. Rashard Higgins is not in there. BJ Goodson's not in there, right? Like Terrence Mitchell's not in there. Greedy Williams, go read Mary Kay's story is not in there. There are a lot of good football players on this team. And this was a lovely reminder.
0: And you know what Um, I, that uh, it's funny because I did all my top candidates. And then down here, I have the also's that weren't going to make it into the top 10. And I did have Uh, Well, because Teller didn't make it, but I've got Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, and Sheldon Richardson right there as my four little also's down here. So we're totally on the same page with that. Once again, Doug and I are agreeing beautifully. Well, when I I (laughs) asked our
2: texters for their list, I gave them 20 names. And it honestly wasn't that hard to come up with 20 names. But, Doug, you made an interesting point, and it is one other thing I want to bring up. There are no tight ends in our top 10 is that a problem? Is it not? Does it, I mean, look, this is an arbitrary, just us talking about this top 10 players. Like what does it matter? But at the same time, does it matter? Did Austin Hooper be in there?
0: He should be ideally. Yes.
2: He should be yeah. ideally.
0: Yes. If you're going to pay a guy 10 and dollars uh, and you know, and you're going to have an offense like this, that is very tight end centric. Yes. He should be in the top 10. So if he's not in the top 10 next year, then something's probably a little bit wrong.
4: I ranked 11 through 20. I did not have Austin Hooper as my first tight end.
2: Who'd you have first?
4: I I had Dave Njoku as my first tight end. He had a better, he was a better blocker this season. He was more efficient overall. He was just a better player. And he didn't make an insane amount of money like Austin Hooper.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth there. I want to see what this offense looks like with just a difference maker, quite frankly, a tight end. I hope Kevin Stefanski over these next, Two to four, five, six, whatever amount of years it's going to be, has like a secret passion project about finding the next great tight end. You see what Kyle Shannon's able to do with George Kittle. It, that's what this offense is is truly missing with Kevin Stefanski's strengths. But the trends follow. You know, coming from Minnesota, if you if the guy isn't an athletic difference maker, Kevin Stefanski knows how to get just enough out of him. I, Austin Hooper was a necessity. Like they had to pay for this offense to function with. Hooper and Njoku but I, I agree with Scott like David Njoku probably not probably I mean did just have the on tape more impactful season and he better with the ball in his hands and the upside
2: I think that's a, I think if you're saying David Njoku is your best tight end I think that's a problem if you're if tight end is that important completely agree. Uh, that's dude. that's probably a discussion for another
3: pod where would JJ Watt be on this list <laughs> ah! <laughs> but I do think would we bet I think they have my guess is that they will add somebody in free agency who might be on this list. Oh yeah. Right. That like they're going to sign a player this off season who becomes their eighth best player Yeah. when they already are like 15 to 18 guys deep of really good football players. So keep that in mind. And in terms of like guys going out the door, right. That the guys they're going to lose. I mean, there wasn't really anybody that was on the team last year, but it's not going to be on the team in 21, that it was killing you to not put them on the list, right? Like a reminder again, they have a lot of good guys. They're keeping all their good guys and they're going to add more good guys. So good spot to be in.
2: Okay. Before we go, here's our list. Number 10, Kareem Hunt. Number nine, Odell Beckham. Number eight, Denzel Ward. Number seven, Wyatt Teller. Number six, Jarvis Landry. Number five, Joel Batonio. Number four, Jack Conklin. Number three, Nick Chubb. Number two, Baker Mayfield. And number one, Miles Garrett. That's going to do it for a week of Orange and Brown Talk podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed to Football Insider, as I always tell you. Go to Cleveland.com Browns. at that blue banner at the top of the page. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed on the feed because we do these roundtables every Friday. These guys mentioned the got to watch the tape on Nick Chubb. Uh, we'll be back with a Hey, Mary Kay on Tuesday. All sorts of stuff, five days a week, the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. So, for the whole crew, Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.
3: I have 20 more minutes of shouting in
2: me, but I'm going to hold it to myself and just shout at the walls when we're done.